welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 18th chapter. Luke writes, Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. Jesus said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for the people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God grant justice? To his chosen ones who cry to him day and night, will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them, and yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Again, I thank you for joining on this kind of quiet, gentle Sunday morning. Um, and uh, my eye caught as uh, was being read Paul's words to Timothy, all scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching and more. Huh? And it has been... Uh, gratifying, edifying for me to have been able to, these past few weeks, look at the uh, scripture as would have been known at the time Paul wrote to Timothy, that being the what we call uh, the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, and see uh, many uh, fascinating uh, uh, lessons to be learned from, uh, from its many uh, and varied accounts of the life of uh, God's people. And today, uh, in particular, uh, if you ever wondered where the, the name Israel came from, uh, who, those who wrestle with God, <laughs> you know it came from the account of uh, Jacob wrestling with uh, the angel. And so uh, that, uh, that lesson then speaks to us, and let us take it for a few moments and uh, uh, consider it as it rests upon that which was written many years later, the gospel of our Lord. We begin by <clears throat> observing that the struggle uh, that was read uh, to us moments ago from Genesis uh, was both long and hard. It lasted throughout the night. 
Jacob wrestled with a man, but more than a man. We know now that Jacob wrestled with God. And we are told that as the world passed from darkness into light, and there's great symbolism in that, huh? As the world passed from darkness into light, fatigued and having suffered injury in the process, Jacob refused to yield. Jacob's opponent even tempted Abraham's grandson by offering to end their contest amicably, if he were willing. But the tenacious Jacob struggled on until he was able to demand of the man a blessing to end the contest. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob was the answer. And then the words, you shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men, and you have prevailed. In return, Jacob says, what is your name? He says, do you really have to ask? Don't you just know? (laughs) Well, if not before, it was when Jacob realized that he had been struggling with more than a man, and yet lived, that we have this account, the darkness passed. And Jacob warmed himself in the pure light of a new day as Israel was born. And so it is our first lesson. Today's gospel lesson is, like Jacob's experience, an exhortation on the part of Jesus to perseverance, not metaphorically, not not physically, as in Jacob's case, but spiritual perseverance, encouraging those who... uh, who listened to him to pray and remain faithful. The woman in Jesus' parable described as persevering in the face of great struggle and terrible odds against her. And if you click on the synonyms tab in Microsoft Word, the, uh, uh, the synonyms for perseverance that pop up are words like persistence and determination and grit. Insistence, resolution, stubbornness, doggedness, and there's more. There's a whole list for perseverance. In today's reading from Luke's Gospel, Jesus was encouraging those who listened to prayer. He was encouraging them not just to prayer, but persistence in prayer, to pray always and not lose heart even if, even when that for which or those for whom they pray uh, seemed long in coming. The woman in Jesus' parable was persistent in petitioning what we are told was an unjust judge for justice. Jesus set set forth at that eventuality that the judge granted the woman uh, justice not out of his fidelity to the law, but rather out of his sheer desire to be rid of the woman who was so persistent, Jesus described, as wearing him out, as if to say, no, that's persistence. Remember now also that Luke's gospel is not a firsthand account of the events in the life of the Lord. Um, Luke was an investigator, a physician by, uh, by vocation, Luke was used to taking various elements 
of things, putting them together, forming a diagnosis. <laughs> and, and Luke gathers information from those who were eyewitnesses, and he assembles them into what became his gospel. Structurally, today's lesson comes as a part of a, a, a portion of Luke's gospel. It's a bit kaleidoscopic in its coming together. It's a series of teachings and of sayings of Jesus that Luke packaged together in this particular portion of his gospel. And as you read through the 17th, the 18th chapter, sometimes things seem a bit disjointed, uh, again suggesting to me that Luke had all of this information and he began with the birth story that we know and will celebrate fairly soon. So so well, but then as he went on and on, he had this additional information that he sort of stacks on top of itself, packages it, if you will, because it's important and he wants it preserved, but doesn't flow as smoothly as other portions of his gospel. Um, one feature of Jesus' sayings, his teachings, what we learn in this part of Luke's gospel is that. Uh, all of the things in this section are very, uh, very visual, very visual, very concrete, okay? Uh, not abstractions. Just as in your mind's eye, you could imagine Jacob wrestling on the bank of a stream. You can imagine the contest between these two men on the stream bank through the night, long into the night. So too, it is very visual to imagine the woman showing up day after day, perhaps several times a day, bugging this judge for justice until eventually the judge gives in. Perhaps, uh, well, no, certainly parables are like that. Jesus' parables consistently drew from images and experiences common to his hearers, things they could imagine, see in their mind's eye, in order to illustrate to them those things that they could not imagine, could not see. Indeed, when Jesus spoke of the kingdom of God, he spoke of things that no one had ever seen, and yet he wanted them to not only understand, but to believe in what he was saying. The verse, um, interesting to me, the verse immediately preceding today's gospel lesson at the end of the 17th chapter is another example of the power of imagery contained within Jesus' parables. The final verse of the 17th chapter finds Jesus saying, Where the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. How powerful an image is that, huh? How visual. Jesus' initial audience was, of course, the people of Israel. We also know that there were those insightful Gentiles scattered around who also, upon hearing Jesus, seeing him, seeing the witness of his miracles, hearing the, the power of his testimony, there were both Israel, the children of Israel, perceptive Gentiles of the first century living in and around Israel who found in what Jesus said uh, something that they had not encountered before, something that uh, taught them in a way they were not accustomed to being taught. Um, as we have observed before, as we know, Jesus was uh, always caring for Israel but Jesus was also looking beyond Israel to the rest of the world with his gospel. Life in the first century 
Life in the first century, we have the 21st. Life in the first century uh, was physically demanding. It was visually driven. Life at the time of the writing of the Bible was physically demanding. There were no power tools, okay? If you wanted it moved, you moved it yourself. It was physically demanding, but also it was very visually driven. Okay, it was visually driven. Work was hard and threats had to be seen if you wanted to be successful. If you wanted to avoid those things, it would harm you. In that world, abstract thought was as foreign to Jesus' audience as computers would have been. And yet, Jesus wanted to teach people to love and to feel genuine affection and closeness to a God none of them had seen in a world full of gods. It seems they had one for every occasion. And against that, Jesus was constantly pushing against idolatry and such and was calling people to love the one he called Father, but whom they could not see. Jesus wanted to teach people to love the God none of them had ever seen, and that was quite unlike the many gods common to the people of that day and in that place. There were gods aplenty, but it was not to be so for the Jews. And so, to illustrate, to help people understand that which cannot be seen, Jesus often used parables. He used parables. Jesus deployed these word paintings. Okay? Word paintings. Mental pictures that he could draw upon from everyone's shared and common experience in order to teach greater truths that they could not see with their eyes. In a world where seeing was believing, quite literally. One of my favorite, uh, you may have heard me speak of this before, my favorite examples of making the unseen seen is an expression many know, but as I did some research for today, no one knows the origin of it. The expression is, there is strength in numbers. You know what I mean, okay? There is strength in numbers. Now, while you understand what I mean when I say there's strength in numbers, a person of the first century living in Israel would have had no idea what I was talking about, none whatsoever. They would have stared at me, okay, because my words are all abstractions. Not one word can be seen. There is strength in numbers. But that same person would have understood the abstraction, however, um, would understand, should I say to them, ten dogs can kill a lion. Okay? Because of the mental picture, the image that that conjures up in their common experience in the very real world in which they lived, they could see that picture like Jacob wrestling on the, uh, uh, the Jabbok Okay, they could see that picture. They could imagine it in their minds. Or the vultures and a corpse. They had seen that. They understood that. Ten dogs can kill a lion. 
they could see one dog, one lion, not a contest, two dog, no, not a contest, three, four, five. Eventually at 10, their minds would say to them, yes, indeed, the 10 would prevail, as we would say, because there's strength in numbers. Now back to the persistence element of today's lesson. In an age in which people so often we know immediate satisfaction of what we want, ever faster connections to the world through our cell phones and our computers, persistence in the face of failure becomes a very real challenge. We want something, if it is not granted, if we do not receive, we're frustrated by that. Okay? If we pray for something, we want something, and it is not granted, we are frustrated by that. Notice that in the relative standing of the two characters in Jesus' parable today, one a widow, the other a judge, the one had no social or economic power from which to press her case, and the other, both office and social standing, to ignore her. Okay? The odds were stacked against the woman from the start, and yet, Jesus tells us in this parable, she's the one that persisted. She persisted. The righteous persisted against the unrighteous until the justice that she sought was granted. Applied to a call to faithfulness and prayer and things of the Spirit, if the unjust judge heard and granted justice to the poor widow, how much more will God grant justice to those oppressed and downtrodden in this or any time in response to their perseverance and prayer and petitions for justice. Justice might not come quickly enough by human perspectives, and indeed it took long times uh, for God's justice to come, even from the time of the exile in Egypt. But justice will come. God's justice does come because God is a God of justice. It will inevitably come uh, from the divine perspective. And here I'm mindful of Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, observation that the arc of the moral universe is long. He wrote, but it bends toward justice. God's will cannot be undone, even if it be generations in the coming. This is a hard lesson for we of the 21st century to learn, as it would have been a litany of abstractions for those who lived in the first century. Again, mindful of Paul's letter to Timothy. I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent. Okay, be persistent. This autumn for us has been a joyful series of celebrations of doing just as Paul encouraged the younger Timothy. We have been persistent in our celebrations of the faith. It's many and varied aspects from our pet blessing to the celebration of Holy Communion to next week's Rite of Confirmation, All Saints Sunday, Veterans Sunday, from the beginning of the food bank gathering, I hope you noticed that out in the narthex, to the upcoming preschool Sunday, the congregation has been about teaching with persistence, among other things, patience and persistence to its children and a mindfulness to all of us to be persistent in prayer directly and indirectly, suddenly or incrementally, 
let us take advantage of every opportunity uh, to give expression to our faith and confident that God's will has been, is being, and shall continue to be done in our midst. Our privilege in this belief is manifest in our willingness to be persistent in the things of God, which God gives us in sacred trust and in furtherance of that kingdom toward which we aspire, but which we have not yet seen. Uh, and so it is on this autumn Sunday morning. We join together to worship our God, to give thanks for the scriptures so inspired uh, that we might know God's will through them living our lives prayerfully, never losing heart, even when that for which we pray might seem to us a little slow in coming. Let us pray confident that God's will will be done, uh, both in this world, in this life, and the life to come. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.